0: That is a harsh lesson in business.
2: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together.
0: I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It
2: opened up so many more doors.
0: The
1: show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're
2: back with more Tapped Out. With Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. And we are back. UFC Vegas 50 already underway, and these guys can't stop talking about it, so we'll talk about it with you. have got producer Jake Galley, got my co-host Brendan Tobin, I'm Sean Levine in Kansas City, and let's welcome on, from Fade the Noise, he is John Kelly. If you could, John, real quick, what the hell's going on? Because you guys are freaking out about how good this card has been so good so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been electric so far. I think four fights, all four finishes. Uh, Jackson and Kirk just started off now, so who knows? We might miss another finish here, but it's been nonstop action. Love these type of fights, and I'm sure you guys do as well.
0: No, 100%. This thing's been wild. Like It's been a standing uh, knee knockout. Saw just uh, Moutinho got knocked out standing up. It's been wild, man. This has been crazy, John. Crazy night. But we've been talking about the, uh, you know, we were just previewing the main card. Anything that stands out to you uh, with this main event, you know, the very long odds right now for Tiago Santos, even though it feels like feels like the sentiment is on him. Like it feels like a lot of the promotion of this card is built around him. Can he get back to that, 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 that near title fight, that near win that he had over John Jones? But the odds don't say that he's got much of a chance tonight. What do you think of uh, Santos tonight?
1: yeah i mean i i don't have any sort of hot take there i think Ankalaev absolutely dominates him as the odds suggest um he, he really has all the tools a lot of people have him pegged as a future champ in this division i honestly wouldn't be surprised myself if we saw him capture gold at some point relatively soon i think after he wins this fight if he does so in you know noticeable fashion then i think he's probably next for the title shot but yeah i think he can win this fight on the feet I think he can wrestle a little bit if he wants to Santos just can't keep up with the pace like Santos historically pretty low volume guy made a career out of being like a big heavy puncher not necessarily a volume guy and I kind of just think not to say that he's washed but I kind of think that those days are a little bit behind him not that he doesn't have that type of power but against a guy as skilled as ankle I I'd be really surprised to see a big upset
2: is it fair to say that it's after John Jones he hasn't been the same guy
1: I mean I honestly think so I mean what two two or three knee injuries there like yeah. it just seems like he's kind of lost a step his his durability's been been okay uh for the most part but I kind of think that changes here you know just the the older he gets the wear and tear on his body and now facing a guy who like I said I mean potentially a future champ here I think he absolutely rolls here
0: as far as this division's concerned, you know, we're getting the, uh, you know, Yuri Prahash is going to get a crack at the belt. Like, do you feel like we're finally getting into 205? It's been cool having the sentimental stories of Jan getting the belt and Glover getting the belt, but this is definitely, I think a division looking for a new post John Jones face that can carry it for a little bit. Do you think that we're maybe entering that finally with the prospects here at 205 that somebody maybe get the rain here, they carry for a little bit, or we'll have guys going back and forth with some epic fights because they need, I feel like a, a post John Jones face.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point because I feel like uh two oh five is just kind of a stagnant sort of division. Like there's not really a ton of buzz outside of like Yuri Prohaska, who's come on, you know, pretty much out of nowhere. But like you said, we have ankolaev Um I, I kind of think those two guys are probably, like you said, gonna be the younger guys that kind of battle back and forth those two you have Alexander Rakic who's a name that I still consider to be in the top tier as well Um, so there's definitely some faces like you said outside of like the John Jones era where I think it could start to get a little bit exciting again Um, so we'll see
2: if we're going to talk about John Jones this much in one segment I guess I got to ask you what do you think is actually going to happen next for whenever that is what do you think happens to John the real John Jones
1: yeah i mean i i honestly couldn't tell you i i try i try not to play like the hypothetical game because i'm so bad at at that type of stuff but i mean I, I i hope the dude is doing better i mean he's obviously got a lot of personal stuff going on i I guess i would i would think he's gonna fight at heavyweight at least that's what everybody's saying he looks like he's getting a lot bigger in the gym um i don't know what what matchup per se he's gonna have because i'm sure he's gonna be very selective in those matchups but uh yeah i mean i hope he fights again and i i think it's probably gonna be at heavyweight
0: so, John, can you tell us um, – our producer was telling us about this system. You have this DFS betting that you do on the UFC. Can you explain this to our audience, what this is, your, your way of going about things, and, and uh, how it could be beneficial to them?
1: Yeah, so for those that don't already know, you can play uh, fantasy just like you do fantasy football. You can do that for the UFC on DraftKings, on FanDuel. There's a couple other sites as well. I mainly play on DraftKings because it's the best. They have the biggest contests. There's a lot of strategy and game theory that goes into it. So basically, for those that don't know... The expensive fighters will be the ones with the highest odds to win or highest uh, inside the distance uh, probability like to finish that sort of thing, because based on drafting scoring, those are the ones that are going to score the most. So basically they give you a salary cap. Um, All the fighters have a salary and you have like 50,000, I think is the salary cap to make six fighters in a combination of a lineup and then you put your lineup against other people and you try to score the most points and then obviously the most points you win the most money so there's a lot of that was a really quick way to explain it but there's so many levels of game theory and strategy that go into it um i tend to uh play multiple lineups so what my what my basic strategy is like i want to target the fights that a i think are gonna end in a finish because that's just the way you're going to get the most points on draftings. But also, um, I'm, I'm just really worried about the upside, like not necessarily picking winners. I just want, if my fighters win, I know they're going to score well. And that's sort of my, my overall strategy, just real in a very small, uh, nutshell, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it. I've done a lot of work, um, on my YouTube channel, I've done uh, articles as well, just outlining uh, my my strategy on that. You can find it on my YouTube channel, at John Kelly DFS. But I go into a lot more detail there, uh, more so than we can do in this uh, short radio segment.
2: Yeah, like John said, follow him, at John Kelly DFS, part of the FTN network. John Kelly joining us here on Tapped Out. Everybody knows that daily fantasy for football and basketball, even baseball, has kind of taken over the last couple of years. Is that the same situation for MMA?
1: I mean, I don't know if I'd say it's taken over, but it's certainly growing with buzz. You know, it seemed like this was kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the daily fantasy industry until COVID hit. And then once COVID hit, it absolutely blew up. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it better with how many more people, how many more eyeballs were on the sport. And you've seen it not just from fantasy, you know, just the sport in general, like ESPN, the the big contract, all those numbers were up and it's just a trickle down effect where obviously that's going to pour over into the fantasy industry as well. So you've slowly seen the contest get a little bit bigger over time, et cetera, et cetera. So I wouldn't say we're taking over, but we're certainly, you know, carved out a nice little niche to where. Every single Saturday, I mean the main tournament is 100k to first place uh, minimum. For the pay-per-view cards, they they tend to make them a little bit bigger prize pools. So back in the day, that was not a thing. You did not see contests that big, so it's certainly been on the rise.
0: So uh, turning the attention to tonight, like how do you how do you like line this one up for tonight? Cuz we were talking in the first segment. It's a fun match with like a lot of young guys going up against some vets, but I think there's some there's some good value around too. Like what are the things that stand out for you tonight?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately, the slate already locked for tonight. It locked at four, but as far as, like, my strategy for tonight, there's just a lot of fights in general that I'm expecting to finish. And so far, we've seen that through four fights, Wild. right? So I believe uh, 10 out of the 14 fights were favored to end inside the distance. So certainly, you have your pick of the litter in terms of people that you think can score well. Uh, but basically, I'm always like I said, I'm I'm just looking for upside. So one especially that stands out is the Dober McKinney fight. Like I, I told a lot of people that I talked to, like, I want one of those fighters In every single lineup that I make, you know, whether you're on the Dober side or the McKinney side, or if you play multiple lineups like me, then I tend to get both. I just want to be overweight to that fight as a whole, because I'm expecting whoever wins, they're going to score really well. So I sort of targeted like 60% Dober, 40% McKinney, because I do kind of think Dober gets the better of him outside of like the early takedown, as long as he survives. And then I think he kind of takes over and probably hurts McKinney, but it, it just it really depends like that's just one fight example perea silva is another one where it's like a high variance fight either guy can win by knockout i'm always going to look to just be overweight to those fights as a whole and when i say overweight i just mean the rest of the field doesn't target those fights as much as i am
2: what about a value what about the opposite are there any underdogs that you're looking at tonight that you go hey not enough people are talking about this guy or gal
1: yeah absolutely so one of my biggest bets tonight actually is aj fletcher so i bet aj fletcher at the plus 2 205 number it's come down quite a bit it's actually i'm i'm a little bit sketched out that like people mushed him a little bit because he seems like now he turned into a public dog he's down in like the plus 170 range now so i've got a, a little bit of clv there but it's just a spot where he's fight he's facing matthew Semmelsberger. both of these guys are like kind of similar in a sense both athletic, both former football players. Uh, But Fletcher, I think, has just as much finishing potential in the first round in terms of the stand-up. You know, his striking defense is a little bit suspect. He's probably going to eat a big shot or two. But historically speaking, he's been able to eat big shots. So I'm not super concerned. And then when you talk about the the wrestling and the grappling upside – I think Fletcher has that. You know, I like the timing on his takedown. Semmelsberger has shown, at least on the regional scene, that he's been able to be taken down and controlled. I think Fletcher has a pretty decent edge there. So getting plus 205 on basically a coin flippy type fight where in hindsight, Fletcher could look like a sizable favorite if he tends to grapple here, and I think he does. So like I said, it's my biggest play of the night, and he's definitely a sizable underdog still. I think there's value in the current market at plus 170.
0: One of the things that stood out to me, I'm very sentimental. I love the Miami guys. So Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres uh, taking on Sadiq Yusuf tonight. Yusuf is you know, a hot prospect looking to bounce back after a tough decision loss. But I like Bruce Leroy in this situation. He's got a lot of wins in a row. He's been fighting forever. I feel like they've tried to kind of put him here before. What do you think about uh, Caceres' chances tonight as the dog?
1: I mean, it should be a fun fight, to be honest with you. I'm a, I'm actually on the other side, on the Yusuf side, but, I mean, I totally understand the play. Casares has, like, I mean, he's been killing it as an as an underdog in most of his fights. He's on, what, a five-fight win streak? I mean, the level of competition has been a little bit suspect. Uh, Chase Hooper, um, who else did he fight? Steven Peterson, I want to say, and Kevin Kroom. Like, just the lower lower barrel guys. So, I think this is definitely going to be a step up, at least in terms of recent competition and Yusuf where where he struggles is really with the the power hitters you know his his chin's a little bit suspect I don't know if Caceres has that type of power so it's like what does a Caceres win look like I think he he probably needs like a standing back take or something like that and I'm just not not convinced that he's going to be able to do that against Yusuf here
2: Follow our guest, John Kelly, at John Kelly DFS. You mentioned power hitters. Masvidal lost the fight last Saturday night to Colby Covington. What's next for both those guys? First, Masvidal.
1: Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, Masvidal, I would say what's next for him, it's got to be some sort of money fight. I mean, that's basically like, shout out to Masvidal. He's made a great name for himself off of like the flying knee against Ben Askren and then like the three-piece Minnesota. Like he built his brand from being a a respected journeyman type of fighter to being like this knockout, you know, BMF guy. And it's just like when you face him against somebody that's actually in that top tier of the welterweight division, like Colby or Usman, that's exactly what's going to happen to him here. We saw that. Um, last week so I would say the next thing for him is probably just some sort of money fight whether that's Nate Diaz I know there's potential Diaz is going to fight Poirier who knows what happens there um, maybe they do Connor Diaz you know there's so many things but I would say um, it's got to be some sort of money fight for Masvidal because that's kind of what he is at this stage in his career is just a, a prize fighter I mean how much did you hate last because
0: you're a guy who likes to look for finishes how much did you hate last week's card with just all the decisions that happened at the top of it
1: so i i actually didn't hate it i mean it was it there wasn't as many finishes you know obviously everyone gets excited for finishes but there were still some really fun fights and obviously it helped that like i had a, a pretty big uh betting week so that then i'm obviously like okay i don't care pretty if we go yeah. to the decision you know <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it was it was still a fun fight even if we didn't get the decisions all right what do you I, think next
2: thug finish. nasty thug nasty he made a name for himself on saturday night i'm bryce mitchell
1: yes he did unfortunately i was i was on the uh barbosa side on that one which it did it did not look good you know it was kind of a spot where bryce mitchell was going to have to prove it to me you know the level of competition was certainly a step up barbosa's been against some of the toughest guys both heavy hitters and grapplers and it, I, I just thought he could make bryce pay a little bit more on his takedown entries he was able to hurt bryce's leg a little bit it, like after two leg kicks bryce seemed like he didn't like those leg kicks but i mean he pretty much dominated him pillar to post Barbosa didn't have anything for him once he was taken down. So impressive win by the kid, Bryce Mitchell excited to see who he gets next because uh, yeah, I mean, so far he's looked every bit, every, every bit legit, like from pillar to post, you know, he's out grappled. Everybody.
0: I haven't even seen if uh, early odds have come out on this or not, but we got the announcement this week. Michael Chandler is going to be taking on Tony Ferguson, I feel like three years ago, this is a dream matchup before even Michael Chandler's in the UFC and Tony Ferguson is the, the boogeyman of the division. Now we've seen hard times for Tony Ferguson. Chandler's obviously in fight of the year candidates still, um, what do you make of this early matchup? Does Tony, is, is, is there any nostalgia that he could still summon back? Is he still a guy who could be a contender anymore? Cause we haven't even seen him win a around recently as uh, let alone a fight.
1: So to answer uh, the the first question, can he be a contender? I think absolutely not, you know, and he's kind of shown that, especially in certain matchups, like you take him down, like that rubber guard style is just not going to work in terms of winning minutes. So, and, and he's too liable to play off his back as well. And then, and then where, where he used to have the striking, you know, that super high pace, very durable. He still, still showed he has the durability, but I mean, you take that many punches from Justin Gaethje, like he was doing the chicken dance multiple times in that fight, like, I don't know, man. It's we see it time and time again where if fighters just historically are so durable and then they take so much damage. And then after a point, the chin just starts to go. And I kind of think, you know, that's what I'm expecting over his next couple fights. We'll see if that, if that uh, ends up happening, but I I think the, the matchup certainly favors Michael Chandler just because, you know, he has the power to potentially hurt Ferguson, but he also has the high level wrestling. And I think, you know, Ferguson's proved that multiple times now that he can be taken down and controlled. So I like Michael Chandler there.
2: Follow him at John Kelly DFS on Twitter. That's our guest, John Kelly from Fade the Noise. Coming up next, we're going to give you the tail of the tape right here on the bed, QL Network.